This is a message from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. We pray that it will encourage you in your walk of faith. If you would like to learn more about Dr. Youssef or Leading the Way, please visit ltw.org. A prominent professor from the University of Wisconsin expressed deep lament over the shallowness by which we have taken this whole concept of forgiveness and, and issuing public apologies, insulting people, and then kind of issue public apologies. In fact, he rephrased the old adage, to err is human, to forgive is trendy. <laughs> As that professor calls it, is a fluff, not the real stuff and that is weakening us morally as a nation. It undermines the seriousness of what it means to forgive. It is even trendy today in some churches where pastors and preachers are encouraging their congregations to forgive God. Can you imagine the arrogance that we need to forgive the perfect holy, righteous, pure God. We forgive the One who gives us our very breath to breathe. We forgive the One who forgives us our wrongs. We forgive the One who suffers with us whenever we suffer injustice. This whole kind of modern preaching and teaching is not only repugnant, it's revolting, because it places us in an arrogant place, that we are in God's place and God is in our place. It says that I am God and God needs my forgiveness, not the other way around. Forgiveness is a very serious business. It really is. And that is why it was the very first statement of the seven statements from the cross that our Lord Jesus uttered. And today I begin a seven-part series on these awesome words that uttered from the cross by our Lord Jesus Christ. The first statement is found in Luke chapter 23, verse 34. As our Lord Jesus was suspended between heaven and earth, the Bible said, He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Forgiveness is such a serious matter that Jesus had to deal with it first and foremost. I remember many years ago when I lived in Australia, a well-known psychiatrist said to me, and I'll never forget it, he said, I could dismiss most of my patients tomorrow if I can convince them of the power of forgiveness. Now, beloved, the reason there are so many people walking around literally physically sick is because they are seething with hate. They are twisted with anger. They are stewing with bitterness inside. They are consumed with revenge. They are exhausted from fighting wars in their heads. They are saturated with animosity, and they're exploding with unforgiveness. And that is why it is my prayer 
that today will be a day of healing and restoration for so many. It is my prayer that you would understand the seriousness of what it means for God to forgive us, and we forgive others the wrong that we have committed and the wrong they have committed against us. I pray that today will be a day which many people will learn to claim that power of the cross in forgiveness. Jesus made seven awesome statements when He was suspended between heaven and earth on that instrument of torture. You have to understand that Dr. Luke is a Gentile convert to Christ. And as a scientist and as a convert, Gentile convert to Christ, he was absolutely fascinated by this unconditional forgiveness on God's part, for it was in the Gentile culture Forgiveness is a sign of weakness. To forgive the dearest and the nearest, and for a good reason, was understood by some Jewish people. But forgiveness unconditionally, that was puzzling both to Jews and to Gentiles alike. And that is why Luke records these specific parables that you find in his chapter 15, the lost coin and the lost sheep and the lost son, but more importantly is the unconditional love of the Father in that parable of the prodigal. Absolutely shook him to his very core as he understood this unconditional love and forgiveness on the part of the Lord. And yet, a faithful Jew ought to have understood that when the Messiah come, He is to forgive His haters. It is recorded in the Scripture. Seven hundred years before Jesus was born, Isaiah declared that He's going to intercede for His murderers. The last verse of chapter 53 of Isaiah said, He bore the sin of many and made intercession for their transgression. A faithful Jew who anticipated the Messiah understood that the Messiah is going to use His special relationship with the Father, His intimacy with the Father, to be able to forgive His haters. And that is why Jesus said, Abba, forgive them. Remember this, nobody ever, ever, ever called Father Abba until Jesus came on the scene. It is a word of intimacy. It's a, it's a word of familiarity. It's a word of home and heart. It's a word of kinship between child and father. And beloved, listen to me. If Jesus can forgive those hateful, malignant, vicious hands that nailed Him to that cross, He can forgive anyone who would come to Him today and ask for His forgiveness. For it is, as the theologians would say, forgiveness of Christ on the cross is for all people, and of course, only effective for those who come and receive it. And therefore, if He can forgive those people, He can forgive anyone who would come to Him and say, Father, forgive me. But before I get into my message proper, I have three distinctive thoughts here I want to share with you. When Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, He did not pray what every human being prays before they die, namely, Father, forgive me, or they don't know God as Father, God, forgive me. 
The founders of all the other religions were people wanting to believe that they're all equal to Jesus. They prayed for the forgiveness of their sins, but not Jesus. I personally know at least a couple of times when I thought I was facing imminent death, and I prayed, Father, forgive me. And I remember one time when I really thought it was over, and I prayed, I confess sins I have never committed. (laughs) (laughs) Just wanted to make sure. (laughs) Oh, but our Lord Jesus never said, forgive me. He said, forgive them. For the Scripture says that He was tempted in every way as we are, but He was without sin. And that is why He's the only one who can forgive our sins. Second thing I wanted to notice here is this. Jesus never asked to be delivered from the cross. He prayed in Gethsemane. He said, if there's some other way, and He knew this is why He was born. But when He got on that cross, He never said, deliver me from this cross. Get it over and done with, God. Because, beloved, what tied Him to that cross were not the nails, but His undying love for you and His undying love for us. And the third thing I want to tell you before I get to the message is this. Jesus never prayed, Father, avenge me. For if there was ever a clear case of injustice anywhere in the world, it took place on that day. I know some among us who are suffering injustice right now, and the natural reaction is, I don't deserve this, and and pray for God to vindicate us, and we should. There's nothing wrong with that. That's natural. But not Jesus. Think about this. The very God who created all of the iron in the world was nailed by these irons. The very God who created all of the roses in the world, those thorns crowned Him. The very God who created all of the timber and all of the wood in the world, they used that wood to make a cross for Him. You talk about injustice. You talk about unfairness. You talk about His rights. You talk about revenge. You talk about His right to walk away. This was it. For in an earlier time, He told His men, He said that He could call upon His Father, and He would send a legion of angels, and they could come up and deliver Him. He had told them that He has at His disposal, He has the command of untold numbers of spiritual powers and spiritual forces that they could come, He can call upon, and they would deliver Him, but He didn't. Instead, He prayed, Father, forgive them. The word forgive here literally means to send away from them that which they have done. And what the Lord Jesus is doing here, He's exercising His divine prerogative. You know how people in the liberal church and many other religions would say deny the divinity of Christ, and yet that is the very reason why He was crucified. The Pharisees told that then the high priest said that he made himself equal with the Father. And the Pharisees were angry and mad at him every time he forgave sins. And yet that is his prerogative, his divine prerogative. And that is why he died on that cross. But they were too blind to see it. Now I come to the sermon proper. Three encouragements that I see from this short prayer that our Lord Jesus Christ prayed 
Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. First, it gives us confidence that Jesus forgives sins for anyone who would come to Him. Secondly, only on the cross that this vicious cycle of hate and sin can come to an end. And thirdly, it comforts us to know that our Savior practiced what He preached. First, that statement, the first statement from the cross, gives us confidence that our sin can be completely forgiven. You know, I have met people through the years. I'm sure you've met them too. And they'll say to me, Michael, I don't feel forgiven. I have confessed, and I repented, and I prayed, but I just don't feel forgiven. Listen to me. Feeling has nothing to do with your forgiveness. Did you get that? Say amen. Amen. It has everything to do with the promise of God who said, when you come to me and you confess, I forgive you. And that settles it. Others say, you know, I know God promised to forgive me, and He may have forgiven me, but I can't forgive myself. Hear me right on this one. (laughs) Here's the Word of God for you today. If God could forgive the cold hearts of the Roman soldiers who nailed Him to that cross, if God could forgive the sadistic crowd that mocked Him, if God could forgive a prostituted priesthood of Caiaphas, if God could forgive all of these people, no one here or anywhere can say, God cannot forgive me. Someone would say, Michael, you don't understand. How can God forgive me? I murdered with my tongue and reputations of people. God can't forgive me. I have betrayed the very tender vows of my marriage. God cannot forgive me. I have lived in fornication. God cannot forgive me. I have reversed the order of nature, and I lived in homosexuality. God cannot forgive me. I have been dishonest in my business. I've cooked the books. God cannot forgive me that I have had an abortion, murdered my baby. God cannot forgive me that I have hated with pure hatred and viciousness. God cannot forgive me that I have cursed God and doubted Him and His power. God cannot forgive me. Beloved, listen to me. If Jesus could pray for those who were at the outer limits of sin, He surely can forgive you. Secondly, praying, Father, forgive them, assures us that only on the cross, listen carefully, not in these phony public apologies, not in the things that are said and not really meant, only on the cross, not in world treaties and peace treaties, no, 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 only on the cross, the vicious cycle of hatred and sin can end, only at the cross. For when Jesus was suspended between heaven and earth, (laughs) He was like a magnet that drew all of the hatred, all of the viciousness, and all of the anger to Himself. And as if God is saying on that cross, if you want to know where your anger and hatred and bitterness and unforgiveness ends, look at the cross of my Son. This should be the response of every person who claims to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. 
For Jesus said, forgive us our sins as we forgive the sins of others. And here's what I recommend to everybody what I practice. Somebody wrongs you. Sometimes they know they wronged you, sometimes they don't. That's not the issue. The issue is that you must clean it up with God in your prayer. That in intimacy with God, as you go to the Lord in prayer, between you and Him, say the following, Lord, I forgive, and then name the person. Do not pray, Lord, help me to forgive. No, 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 that's the wrong prayer. Did you get that? Okay, let's say it together. I forgive. The rest is between you and God. Because if you go to a person and say, well, I forgive you. Well, that person doesn't know that you have done anything to harm you. You're going to open a can of worms that you should not be opening. You take care of it with God. You take care of it in your heart. You take care of it in your intimacy with God in prayer. And then, when and if the person comes and asks for forgiveness, you've got it so you can give it to them. Amen belongs here. Jacob the Shazer was a fighter pilot who flew with Doolittle on that first raid over Tokyo. He was shot down by the Japanese, was captured, interrogated. In fact, was more than that. He was a prisoner of war for a long time. And those Japanese tortured him mercilessly. In his own words, he said, I have managed to develop such intense hatred pure hatred toward them like I have never experienced before. He said, the only thing that kept me alive was the dream that one day I'm going to get my hand on their throats. Then one day, a copy of the New Testament fell in Jacob's hand, and mysteriously it opened to that verse. Luke 23, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And Jacob the Shazer became a new man in Christ. His heart was so filled with love instead of hatred. And he began to love the Japanese people. So after the World War II, he became a missionary to Japan. And he wrote his story in a little pamphlet. And he would stand on the main railway station in Tokyo. And he would hand out his story to the passengers passing by. Among those passengers, there was a man who took that brochure He was traveling from Tokyo to his hometown, and that man's name was Mitsuo Fuchida. He was Captain Mitsuo Fuchida, who led the attack on Pearl Harbor. In fact, he was the man who issued the command, all squadron attack. And with that command, 360 Japanese planes loaded with death came down upon Pearl Harbor. Captain Matsua became a national hero, but then when Japan was defeated, he became so bitter and depressed and angry, he wouldn't even talk to anybody. So one day, as he was traveling to his hometown of Misa, he took that brochure and he sat on the train and he began to read it. It's the story of Jacob the Shazer. Again, supernaturally, the Holy Spirit of God transformed him as he was reading that brochure, and he invited Christ into his life. Not only that, he became an evangelist to his own people. And in his hometown of Misa, he began to preach. 
And you have to understand, Misa is where Shintoism first preached. It's where Buddhism first preached. And now, for the first time, the gospel of Jesus Christ being preached by this man. And 2,000 people came to Christ in that town. All because Jesus said, Father, forgive them. You see, that forgiveness included a wide circle. It included the Roman soldiers. It included the Pilate. It included Caiaphas, the high priest. It included Judas, the betrayer. It included the jeering mob. Included all. There is no limit to that circle, for it included me. It included you. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Someone here may say, well, Michael, just wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What what, what do you mean they did not know what they were doing? They knew what they were doing. Judas knew that he was betraying the best friend he's ever had. Caiaphas knew he bribed some witnesses to become false witnesses against Christ. Pilate himself confessed with his own lips, I do not find a fault in this man. The mob knew that they were screaming against a righteous man. They knew what they were doing. On the deepest level, on the deepest level, they did not know what they were doing. They did not understand the enormity of what they were doing. They, they did not understand the significance of what they were doing. They did not know the horrors of what they were doing on that day was going to transform the lives of millions of people, thousands of institutions, and tens of nations. They did not know that. They did not know that. And today, that same forgiveness that was offered from the cross, still open to all, 2,000 years later, whomsoever, whomsoever. The third thing I want to tell you about this magnificent, awesome prayer from the cross is that our Lord practiced what He preached. If you had come to me at the end of the service and we say, Michael, you don't practice all that you preached or that you preach, I'll have to hang my head in shame and I'll say, you're absolutely right. I'm a better preacher than practicing. But not Jesus. Not the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, Father, forgive those who cross you and double-cross you. Then he went up on that cross, and he did just what he said. Had the Lord Jesus Christ taught us to forgive and taught us forgiveness, then he went up on that cross, and he began to curse those who crucified him. All of what he taught would have been swept away into the dustbin of history. Well, some of you may be saying, well, but I can't forgive. I tried to forgive, but I just can't. (laughs) Remind me of an incident many years ago. A Christian woman was convicted that she should forgive her abusive uncle, and she had such hatred from him. She was under conviction, and and, and she still was struggling with it. And then she said, you know, okay, 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 okay. I, I used to say that I'll never go to his funeral, but now I'll be glad to go to his funeral. <laughs> That's not, that is not the power of the cross. That is not the forgiveness that comes from the cross. You have to understand there is something very important here about forgiveness. 
Unforgiveness gives Satan the power to control your life. Did you get that? Unforgiveness hands him the key to constantly come in and out and harass you and be in control of your life instead of you control of him. You see, forgiveness is a decision of the will. It really is. It's a decision of the will. Your feelings and your emotions inevitably later will follow. Sooner or later. I don't care how long it takes, they will follow. But you've got to make the decision of the will. No matter how long you may nurse your grudges, they'll never get better. They'll never get better. Only the power of the cross can set you free, and it can do it today. I'm going to tell you this story that has impacted my life in the early days of my seminary years. Most people think, well, the Reformation only took place because Henry VIII wanted to divorce his wives and do his miserable stuff. But what most people don't understand is that within the church, there were godly men who have been impacted by Luther and Calvin and, and wanted to reform the church. Their hearts were turned to the Word of God and realizing all of the stuff that came in through medieval times and all the heresies in the church needed to be reformed, go back to the Word of God. One of them was the Archbishop of Canterbury, a man by the name of Cranmer. There were two other bishops involved, Latimer and Redley. In fact, there were so many, but these were the leaders of the Reform movement. And in the middle of the 16th century, when Queen Mary came on the scene, she hated all the Reformers, and she wanted to kill every one of them. Many of them escaped to Geneva and took refuge there. But these three leaders stayed in the country, and she wanted to burn them at the stake. And they struggled in many ways. Cranmer struggled back and forth, but ultimately he would not compromise. And so with bitterness and anger in her heart toward these reformers, she decided to burn them at the stake, and they decided to accept the fire. In fact, as the fire was being lit, Archbishop Cranmer was heard to have been said, "'Be of good courage, Master Redley.'" and play the man. For we shall in this day light up such a candle by God's grace as I trust shall never be put out. While most of the Brits have forgotten the rich heritage today, millions of Anglicans in Africa and Asia and around the world are a testament of the overcoming of forgiveness and love. My beloved Our Lord Jesus lived as good as He preached. He lived as good as He preached. And what Jesus did on the cross was the beginning of what He's been doing for 2,000 years. For He has continuously forgiving everyone who would come to Him and ask for forgiveness. But the question is, how are you doing in your forgiving department? Men, If you think that forgiveness render you as a wimp, let me tell you, you are never more of a man than when you forgive. Women, if you ever think that forgiveness makes you a doormat, you're never greater in the sight of God than when you forgive.
Forgiveness gives us power. It's indescribable. Forgiveness gives you freedom that's unmatched. Forgiveness gives you liberty that is incomparable. And it is the cry of my heart and the prayer of my heart that everyone who's at the sound of my voice today would know the power of forgiveness. If you have never given your life to Christ, if you've never come and asked for His forgiveness, you can do that today. Father, only you know what goes on in our hearts individually, and uh, I trust your Holy Spirit to work in us individually. And Father, I thank you that you began that work in my life many years ago. And Father, I know that you're a mighty God and you're a powerful God, and you can give that power to everyone who asks for it. And Father, it is by the decision of the will we're going to be forgiving people so that we may walk and live in the power of the cross. In Jesus' name.